This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, hope everyone had a nice Fourth uh, of July holiday weekend and just catching up on everything that's been going on because I keep getting so many questions over the weekend uh, uh, between grilling and folks just wanting to know what's going on in sports. And I, I mean, I heard some really. It's like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to demean folks when I when I get some of these questions, but it's like. I do have to be incredulous sometimes because it, it is strange. Like some of the questions I keep getting asked because I talked about some of this stuff weeks ago about uh, what's transpired, but let's get off the bat. Uh, we got the NBA final set between the Milwaukee bucks who prevailed eventually over the Atlanta Hawks in six games, even though they should have swept them. Uh, Against the Phoenix Suns, and obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, knee injury played a huge role in uh, you know the Bucks actually advancing. Because truth be told, the Bucks, the way they were being coached by Budenholzer against Hawks, the way that they were lazily being coached and not actually exploiting the natural advantages they had over the Hawks, they were in danger of losing that series. Uh, to Trey Young and the Hawks, even before Trey rolled his ankle. Uh, basically, the Bucks finally took advantage of the fact that the Hawks had minimal size because Clint Capella's rim protection comes at a very vast cost because he can't move laterally. So as long as you're using proper ball movement and you have guys cutting to the basket, you are going to get uh, to the glass all day long against... Uh, Atlanta, because Capella's going to try to go for the block, and then the offensive rebounds are always going to be there because the Hawks are so small. They have just jump shooters. They cannot protect the glass if you crash the boards, and that's what the uh, Bucks did. Even when they weren't hitting shots, they could crash the boards because guys were going to the basket or just crashing the boards after a missed jump shot. That, that's what the series came down to. But the Bucks weren't doing that when Giannis was healthy. It was only the last two games that the Bucks actually decided, yeah, we should really crash the boards now that Giannis is gone. 
Why don't you do that more often? Come on. It, 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 it's, it, it's the most idiotic thing. And the thing of it is, is that they desperately need to do that against the Suns. Because this is going to be even more of a half-court series. And the thing of it is, is that I don't think the Bucks are uh, are in much of a position. Even if they do crash, try to crash the boards, I still think the Suns win this uh, series in five or six games. Uh, regardless if Giannis can come back healthy or not. I don't think Giannis would be even remotely healthy for this series. I think this is a very clear-cut Suns victory uh, no matter what uh, the Bucks do. So, to me, the NBA Finals, uh, you know, this is not the NBA Finals. The league won it, obviously. Uh, you know, Phoenix is not a high-profile market. Milwaukee, even less so. Uh, you know, you try to sell the series all around... Uh, try to sell a series around Chris Paul now because you got no Giannis. You, you're basically selling an entire playoff series around the guy who could never get the job done in Chris Paul and constantly getting hurt. That's who you're selling this series around. I'm not even sure if Chris Paul can stay healthy enough to win this series, and I still think the Suns win without Chris Paul. That's how lopsided I think this matchup actually becomes for the Bucks because the coaching matchup clearly... Uh, Again, is in the favor of the other side against the Bucks. There's greater talent level on the Suns compared to the Hawks. I don't see any real advantages the Bucks have coming uh, coming into this series because the Suns are a better three point shooting team than uh, the Bucks, in my opinion. They have more shooters uh, than the Bucks. the the uh, The thing of it is that Phoenix just uh, plays a more control uh, more controlled half court game. And so it's going to require the Bucks to remain disciplined enough to execute their offense. And the one thing I know about Milwaukee is they are not disciplined as a team. They play some of the dumbest basketball you will see. So my biggest issue is I don't see a pathway to victory for the Bucks. Even if Giannis was healthy, I didn't see much of a pathway for the Bucks. Without Giannis... They're going to have to play small ball, but I don't think that really works against uh, 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 the the Suns because the Clippers are even better equipped to do small ball uh, than the Bucks are, and they st- and Phoenix still figured out a way of beating uh, the Clippers. I like I said, I'm hoping for a lengthy uh, NBA final series just because from a DFS perspective, it has been very profitable kind of uh, going against these lineups against folks that are just playing uh, DFS for the first time, it seems, uh, and and just going with their popular options instead of trying to play out game theory. But my opinion, you know, this just looks as though this is a Phoenix series all the way. I I really have a tough time seeing where the Bucks gain any sense of edge in this matchup. I, I really do. So tomorrow, uh, so uh, game one is tomorrow night, uh, 9 p.m. Tuesday, 9 p.m. on ABC. And I'm very curious to see what Budenholzer tries to roll out against Phoenix. Because to me, this matchup just uh, screams that, you know, the Bucks are going to try to play small ball what they did against the Hawks. And they're going to get clapped for it. I, I don't see small ball being nearly as effective against Phoenix because they're not going to be able to crash the boards the way they were against the Hawks. The Hawks were just not a good uh, defensive rebounding team to begin with. So, like I said, 
this the advantages that they had last series are gone. I don't know where the Bucks find uh, their pathway to victory in, in this matchup. It, it, it really becomes kind of a dire situation, in my opinion, uh, just uh, l- looking at the matchup. So uh, that's my initial take on uh, the NBA Finals. Uh, you know, well, the one thing I can say about the NBA Finals is that it will still be more competitive than this Stanley Cup Final has been. Which will conclude tonight, uh, by my estimation, barring a miracle. All the Montreal fans who like uh, kept clapping back at me, making fun uh, to say that like uh, Vegas would sweep Montreal and saying how uh, great uh, how great their team was. Now that they advanced, to this, uh, uh, they beat Vegas. Listen, Vegas took their foot off the gas pedal. After going up two games to none, point blank, this uh, that this final is solely on Vegas losing focus, going up two games, taking their foot off the gas pedal, and never regaining any sense of momentum, and then panicking and taking bad penalties against Montreal. Vegas screwed themselves out of a finals appearance. That's on them. This Montreal team has no business being in this final. You know why they have no business being in this final? Because if you watched it on paper against a, a team with better talent in Tampa and plays just as uh, uh, hard as Montreal does, they are completely outclassed. In the three games we've had so far in the Stanley Cup Finals, three games, 180 minutes, we haven't had no overtimes. 180 minutes. How many minutes have the Montreal Canadiens led in this uh, in the three games thus far? Gonna give you a minute to guess. Correct answer: zero. They have led for zero minutes. They have trailed for over a hundred and forty-four minutes. That's across three games. They have been behind in, in this series for over seventy-five percent. I mean, I, I I don't know what else you want me to say about whether or not this team deserves to be here. When you trail for over 75% of the series, over three games, what do you mean to tell me this is the two best teams? Like, no, Montreal is lucky to be there. This is strictly on Vegas. Like, the way this whole playoff format was set up was convoluted to begin with because the North should have never had free reign of all those bad teams getting into the postseason and getting shielded. And because Vegas dropped the ball, now we got this final. That shouldn't have happened. I mean, it has been pure and utter domination. And the thing of it is is that Tampa even tried to give Montreal Game 3. Vasilevsky was bad in Game 3. He gave up a number of bad goals. He gave up three bad goals on very savable shots. And Montreal still couldn't win a game. Like, they cannot stop Tampa's forecheck. They can't get pressure out of the zone. They're constantly under siege. Carey Price is trying to keep the team in it, but, like, there's only so much he's going to be able to do. This is just a complete and utter domination fest, and it's not its not good hockey. Like, the Stanley Cup uh, final is supposed to be some of the best hockey you see because of how good the teams are and how hard guys want it, but it's such a mismatch that this is one of the least watched NHL finals in 
over two decades. Like, they don't even want to talk about the ratings numbers. And we know that the NHL is going to uh, ESPN and TNT next year. NBC is a dead network. They don't care about promoting the ratings because they're not having the package anymore, so they're not going to talk about the ratings. Canada is rallying around the Canadian uh, uh, Montreal because they're desperate to have a, a Canadian-based team win the Stanley Cup. That like The ratings will be there in Canada because they're going to watch regardless. The ratings in the U.S. are non-existent because Tampa's not a market and no one cares about the Habs. I mean, this is just like the worst-case scenario for the league, but again, no one's really going to talk about the ratings because they're, they're switching up networks and it shows in the coverage. They're like, everyone's trying to do the, the, their best work, but they, they all, everyone's looking for jobs. Like, they're all angling for their jobs at next job at ESPN or TNT. And, you know, looking at the, some of the hires by ESPN and TNT, we should actually have decent hockey coverage, which will be a step up because it, uh, getting broader exposure on ESPN and TNT is better than what we've had over the last uh, 15 years with... Uh, Versus, which later became NBC, uh, NBC uh, Sports, and, and then NBCSN. But you know, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like, uh, you know, I I got cranky enough about uh, folks saying I didn't know anything about hockey. Like, the, Montreal's just not that good. <laughs> it really is. They got on a lucky run. They got to the final. And then they're being out completely outclassed. And, you know, it's not great hockey to watch. And I'm cranky about that because I love watching Stanley Cup Final. But this is about as unentertaining as it gets in terms of hockey matchup because you already know how the story is going to end. There, there is no mystery here. Like, this is about as foregone a conclusion as when uh, you had the Kings win their first title in 2011 over uh, the Devils when the Devils shouldn't have been there because the Rangers dropped the ball in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, th- th- this is just like bad, like a bad matchup. And like, I don't know what else to tell you folks. So this series should end tonight, barring a miracle or just Tampa just not caring about this game and wanting to finish it out at home and just tanking this game. That's what it's going to take. It's literally going to take a miracle or Tampa tanking the game so they can close it out in Tampa. In game five. That's really what it comes down to. It's really not going to come down to what Montreal does. Just being blunt with you. All right. So let's get to some of the other questions that I kept getting over the weekend. Uh, For some reason, you folks keep asking me about the Yankees. And I don't know why. Because I already told you there's no fixing the Yankees without making a substantive change up and down the organization. The New York Yankees suffer from what we've been talking about. They rely on analytics, but the model that they built their entire franchise around is flawed because their model is built upon using the exact same aspects that smaller uh, budget teams do at a greater scale. There's no point in drafting guys who can't play defense just because they can slug. You do that when you're a smaller club because you you can't afford to get the guys who are more well-rounded. The Yankees are paying more money for less 
value. The value is in the guys who are well-rounded, who can hit and play defense. The Yankees are just paying more money for guys who can hit. And to compound matters, the value that they got out of pitching has gone into the toilet because, you know, for whatever it's worth, the value you paid for Garrett Cole has been incinerated because it seems as though the spider tack issue is becoming a major deal in that either because it was such an advantage for him or because mentally he can't get over the hump of not being able to use the spider tack. Garrett Cole has had minimal control over his pitches. You can see it. He's trying to figure out how he's going to get guys out. There is no confidence in Garrett Cole right now as he's pitching. It's not that he can't pitch. It's just that literally the mojo he had as an ace starter in this league, which is what these guys live off of. They live off of the fear that other teams have of them being on the mound. Right now, Garrett Cole has no mojo whatsoever. And, you know, we we can t- talk about Trevor Bauer on the Dodgers in a bit, but, you know, when you don't have the self-belief that you are just going to go out and dominate folks, it makes a difference when you're a starting pitcher. So now you, you got Garrett Cole not actually even l- looking as though he's going to be even remotely close to the value uh, that the Yankees paid for him. So you, you got a $35 plus million starting pitcher who's currently pitching like he's worth maybe 18 to 20 million. And you need an ace. And you don't have one right now because he he's he's trying to figure it out. Meanwhile, the defense remains horrible. The hitting is suspect because everyone is kind of trying to do the same thing outside of LeMahieu, and LeMahieu isn't having a, an all-star caliber year. He's having a solid year. He's just not playing out of his mind, which is what's making it even worse because you you see the value of LeMahieu when he plays out of his mind, but when he doesn't play out of his mind, it makes the glaring issues of this team's inability to get on base that much more apparent. So, you know, now you got a Yankees team, and I told people this about the bullpen to begin with. Bullpens fluctuate year over year. The Yankees have been extremely fortunate that their bullpen had been as rock solid as it was for multiple years. But eventually, bullpens wear out over time if you keep using them. And that's what the Yankees did. They kept abusing their bullpen for multiple years, and now the chickens are coming home to roost. This is not that hard to imagine. Aroldis Chapman kept being misused all the time. He only functions in strictly safe situations. If you bring him in, in a tied game, he is a different pitcher. Now, normally, when he gets into these funks, he can self-correct eventually, but he's always going to have issues because the reason why he couldn't make it as a starter is because he does not have a consistent delivery uh, point. So when he gets out of source of his delivery point, yes, he can still throw 100, but he can't locate any of those pitches, which is a very big deal when you're a starting pitcher. And it also uh, flares up as a closer. Because if you you keep walking, guys, yeah, eventually it's just not going to work out. 
So, the Yankees, starting pitching is suspect still, and they don't have an ace right now. Hitting is suspect, and not clear if it's even remotely going to be sufficient enough because the division's better. Boston's got Cora back. Everyone seems to be uh, united in Boston. The Blue Jays got on track quickly. The young hitters are still there, still being productive. Uh, uh, like the, uh, and they they made the uh, they were in the playoff last year. Like the Blue Jays, we knew were going to be good. So we knew the Blue Jays were going to be good. Boston's back to being uh, Boston again, and Tampa. You know, I always said this about Tampa. The suspect thing about Tampa was in a shortened season that approach can work. Tampa now is struggling with a longer season, which is what I expected. But Tampa still, they're built to be- beat the Yankees. If the Yankees can't beat Tampa, I'm not sure the Yankees can actually make the playoffs this year because Boston and Toronto are better right now. And they're younger. Well, in the- Toronto's case, they're younger. Boston's a more veteran team, but they're more consistent than the Yankees. So you got a younger team and a more consistent team. You need to be able to make up games against them, and the only way to make it up against them is against a Tampa team that's strictly prepared to beat you. And right now, I don't see the Yankees figuring out the Tampa issue because, like I said, the model the Yankees built their whole organization around is flawed. There are very exploitable flaws, which is what Tampa built their entire organization around to beat the Yankees. Beat the Yankees, try to go 500 against the other teams, and see if you can squeak into the playoffs. That's how Tampa set up their team. And so now, the Yankees are going to be catching the tail, trying to figure out how they're going to be able to get enough wins to actually make it. Because being at 500, when you know you need to literally be 14 games above 500 to make the playoffs in most years in the AL, uh, you know, this, this is going to be a very, very interesting second half. Aaron Boone, in my opinion, is not going to survive this, but that that's not the issue. To fix the Yankees, you actually need to re- rewrite the entire model, and the only way that's going to happen is if you fire Cashman. And based off of everything that we've seen from Hal Steinbrenner thus far, I don't see that happening anytime soon. So for everyone complaining about the Yankees and how to fix them, uh, you, can, you can keep complaining. It ain't getting fixed anytime soon. It's going to be just as broken as the Knicks are. And I know folks are going to be like, Dwayne, the Knicks made the playoffs this year. Listen, the Knicks made the playoffs this year with a very aging roster and a number of glaring holes that got exploited in the playoffs. If the Knicks don't actually retool that roster, they are going to be falling flat on their face again uh, right back as usual next year. So to me, I'm very interested in seeing how NBA free agency shapes up. I know the Yankees need to make wholesale changes to their uh, roster next year. I just don't see it happening. So, to me, this is a very dark period in New York sports we're about to enter because outside of the Rangers, I don't see that many bright spots in any of these teams. And, you know, it, it yeah, and I know people are going to be saying, what about football? Football, to me, is a black hole this year and hope for the best next year. I'll get into football down the line, but 
uh, we we definitely have more than our fair share of issues to kind of sort through. So I'm going to talk about one last item uh, from over the weekend that I kept getting asked about, and it's the Olympics with the Shikari Richardson situation. Now, for those of you who are uh, unaware, uh, th- this whole saga sp- spawned out of... So, Shikari Richardson rose to prominence at the Olympic trial- trials uh, two weeks ago, uh, being the fastest woman alive uh, by breaking the 100-meter uh, record uh, at the time and was set to be the presu- uh, presumptive favorite for the Olympics coming up uh in, uh, I think it's uh, two weeks now, actually, uh, uh, before the end of the month uh, for uh, Tokyo. Now, the controversy arose in that uh, late last week, uh, news broke that she had tested positive for a banned substance and was at risk of being disqualified from the Olympics uh, due to that. Now, if eventually came out, that the reason why she tested positive was because she tested positive for marijuana. So the overall aspect from reaction from folks was how in the world is this performance enhancing? My reaction to this was, huh? Interesting how they managed to protect Michael Phelps for multiple drug testing, uh, violations because, I hope people remember before Athens, Phelps was not in a very good place overall. He's talked about this multiple times about how many bad things he was doing ahead of those uh, Olympic trials. Now, no one knows who exactly administered the drug testing uh, from the USOC, but you know, the USOC has gone out of its way in the past of protecting certain stars with knowing when the drug testing is coming up. So everyone was calling out uh, about the hypocrisy of having a performance enhancing drug ban being attributed to weed as to why weed was even on the list in the first place. I don't even know, uh, where to stand on, like how, how to, how to like line that up? Because to me, it, at the end of the day, if it's on the list, it's on the list. You got to know better. It, you know, there's really not much to do about it. The, the thing of it is that we all know the USOC could have prevented this situation from happening. And, you know, at the end of the day, they chose not to. The hypocrisy in that is the fact that now we're going to ha- be having this conversation as to why she's not there and how many other people got protected as opposed to her over the years, you know, the USOC has got to deal with that. But as far as I'm concerned, it just kind of pointed out the dynamics of how crooked the Olympics is more often than not. So, you know, again, should have tested positive. It happened. You know, she has to live with the consequences. But my biggest thing is the fact that it's not even, uh, it's not even a question of why, it's uh, it's not even a question as to why uh, it was on the list in the first place. It's just the fact that, you know, at this day and age, we really should be looking more towards what the actual performance enhancing is stipulations are across the board 
Because there are multiple drugs on, on, on those lists now that realistically don't make any sense as to how they could even be remotely performance enhancing. But that's a, that's a tale for another time. Uh, but uh, I, I do find that uh, curious, to say the least. Now, uh, more to come uh, once I get uh, some of these other episodes finalized. Because we got to talk about the NCAA and the Supreme Court decision, which was very humorous to read, in my opinion. But we got to talk about the NCAA and the licensing of uh, athletes now, because that's going to be a major talking point throughout uh, this past week and also coming into uh, uh, this uh, upcoming year for sports in general, because a lot of people are going to have a lot of eyes as to the monetization of athletes, uh, athletes likenesses. Now that the NCAA is no longer in the picture of that, of legislation on that. So uh, more to come and uh, definitely going to be interesting breaking down uh, this NBA finals, because like I said, I think this is a very straightforward finals, but we'll see if the Bucks can actually make a series out of this. I just don't see it happening. But that's all for now. Have a good one, folks, and uh, enjoy the barbecue and everything else that you've had. So enjoy the cookouts, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.